Hey, you're listening to The Treehouse Storyteller. Meet me in the treehouse for God-shaped storytelling. Treehouse Storyteller is where we can come together as messy parents seeking Jesus together and raising kids to love him too. If you aren't scared of addressing cultural issues head on and finding a deeper understanding of the biblical worldview to share with your children, then you've come to the right place. I'm not afraid to be transparent and tell all of the juicy details. Our children are being chased by the world and it is our job to be well-equipped and know not only how to lead our flock, but successfully send our arrows out into the world one day to build the kingdom. So snuggle up by the fire or soak up the sunshine with those earbuds in and meet me in the treehouse for some biblical storytelling. Hey guys, welcome back to the treehouse. All right, so first of all, I have to tell you that our guest today has a blended and adopted family of eight sons. Yep, you heard me right. I said eight. She homeschooled back before homeschool was cool. And she has a book packed full of shenanigans of raising these fine young men. She wants to encourage other women that they are not alone. In her words, we are all living the freak show of life and laughter soothes the soul. I just love this. So welcome to the show, Tess Scott. Aw, thanks, Hannah. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for the opportunity to encourage women. Oh, absolutely. So with that, I want to go into mentorship because I, I want to lay the foundation for moms listening. And I it is so important and vital and something that the Lord showed me at such a young age that we have to have mentors in our life. And I think it's easy when we're young to feel like our friend group should just look just like us and we're the same age and we're going through the same season of life and we're changing diapers together. And and all those things are great. Those friendships are invaluable and amazing. And it's, you know, great, great, great to have someone to walk through life with together through Mm -hmm. those seasons. But it's also so imperative that we have mentors, that we have had women of all ages that have gone ahead of us, that have gone before us and have accomplished something great and can have the insight to look and to speak into our life and say, you know what, sister, like this, this is where you're going. This is what you need to pay attention to. This is what you need to be walking in with your eyes open or, you know, whatever it may be, or let's, you know, this is what you're doing wrong. Let's correct you. Let's help you. Let's, let's train you up. Let's encourage you. And you know, Tess, I just really believe that is who you are to so many people. And I just, I've, there's so many testaments how you have, you know, even just taken a room and created that space for mentorship. And so I just want to applaud you and thank you for, you know, seeing the importance in that because it's, I think, a rarity in today's day and age. So, so thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. Thanks, Hannah. It's really, that's what my heart is. That's, that's where the Lord has really pushed me into, even when I didn't think that I could do it. Um, and I think sometimes when God calls us to something, we can feel like me of all people, like, why would anyone listen to me? But the truth is that we need people who have been there. Yeah. People who have been there, done that before we, before we were even born sometimes and sometimes not. I mean, mentors are every age and every stage of life. 
it's important to have our girlfriends who are going through, like you said, going through the same things at the same time, changing diapers together, not sleeping, (laughs) you know, they get it. But it's also important to know, like, she made it. Mm -hmm. She's on the other side. I can tell you that my oldest son's 38. And I think that's your age. So I'm like, come on. (laughs) My my youngest son has just turned 20 and he just moved out. And it is like a wonderful thing. (laughs) I'm so happy about that. I love all my boys and I, you know, I want to be involved in their lives. I just don't want them to all live in my house forever. You know, I want them to have their their own life and be good and get out there um, and not live in my basement. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of praising the Lord happening right now in my house. And I opened my fridge the other day and there was pop, like, I don't know what you call it. Like, you know, Coke and ginger ale and all that. Everyone has their name. Yeah. Yeah. In Canada, we just call it pop. Uh And um, I've been hiding that under my bed for about 35 years because they just drink it all. Right. (laughs) So when your kids are older, especially teenagers, you know, you can't have the good stuff out there because it'll be gone. So all the good stuff like pop and chips and everything have been all hidden in my bedroom for 35 (laughs) years. And now I have it in my kitchen. It's a great time. So I can encourage other moms who have teenagers that, you know, there is hope. (laughs) There's hope. So that's what I'm all about is just you know, showing that God is there for us and he's going to get us through. And I'm, you know, I like to be funny and lighthearted about it all. And, and um, that's just kind of my style, but, but really I've been through a lot of things in life. So when I got to this older stage of life, I guess I'm in an older stage of life. I'm going to say I'm still, still 57 because I don't know when this will actually be aired. And And, you know, like I've been married four times, twice to the same guy. Like I'm not even a movie star. And (laughs) I have had cancer. I've Mm -hmm. had a TIA. I've had medical issues. I've had to sell houses and move and like all those things. And some were, you know, looking back, relatively small things that were stressful. Some were huge things that I didn't think I could live through. And yet God was faithful Mm. time after time after time. And I want to be able to um, use that. I want God to use my life to encourage other women coming along behind me. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love that. Do you want to expand on your, you know, kind of your testimony and the things like you mentioned, you have cancer and a lot of mm-hmm. health issues and married to the same man twice. I really want to know that story. Um, I know. That's crazy. Do you want to, <laughs> you want to expand on any of those things so we can get to know you a little better? Oh, sure. So, um, well, I'll say that I was like first married when I was 19, you know, because when you're pregnant in the 80s, that's kind of what you did. It was a different time back then. <laughs> and um, and that's that's my first son and then divorced soon after. It was, you know, there's like lots and lots of, of stories and regret and shame in my past, mm-hmm. but I don't carry that shame anymore. So that in itself Amen. is something that I try to uh, speak to women to help them to um, shed their shame mm-hmm. from the past. By knowing who we are in Christ, right? When we know who we are in Christ, we can embrace the power of God in our lives. Yeah. And it's the most amazing thing ever to be free and watching women like embrace that and become these free women who can speak up for the Lord and, and just do amazing things because they're not being held back anymore. And that makes me smile. So my, yeah, my life, I've been married. I was married the third time and I thought everything was going along just tickety-boo. I'm now living for the Lord. And, um, you know, everything is just 
I think, great. Like marriage is hard. Even even a good marriage mm-hmm. is going to have hard days because you know what? He's a man. Yeah. And men are not women. I'm sorry, but it's just not the same. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I w- sometimes I think like, well, I wish he was more emotional. I wish whatever. But, you know, I have a girlfriend for that. So I don't. Right. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, um, just seemingly out of nowhere, not expected. Um, he told me that he was leaving and, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't anymore and blah, blah. And so that was hard. Mm-hmm. And I thought I couldn't live through it. And I begged God. Like I spent a significant, a significant amount of time on my green bedroom carpet, like begging God to not let him leave mm. because there was some shame in that. I'd already been divorced, you know, a couple of times and, um, I just didn't want my kids to go through that again. Our kids, I didn't you know, want any of it, obviously. And he left after a year, I tried to, you know, can't, to, I met with him. Like, can't we work through this? Can we go for counseling? He said this. I'm good. Hey, so that was not good. <laughs> a very manly was, response. <laughs> a very manly response. I'm good. Okay, yeah. We're good. He probably put his hand up too. I don't know. So um, then we got divorced and we were divorced for three years. And then he started texting me. Like this is somebody, he's very passive aggressive. He just doesn't answer you. We never fought. Like there was never like mm-hmm. yelling, fighting or anything. Mm-hmm. It was just not talking. And, um, and then like God just brought him back into my life. We started dating. Um, like it's a longer story. It's a sure. three hour, three hour podcast about that, but we started dating and then we got remarried and, and like God oh, has incredible. changed him. And God is so incredible. And that doesn't always happen for everybody. Yeah. Had he not left, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I would not have known how much I needed God. I needed God to breathe at times. Yeah. Like I just, like, I'm thankful for that. I never want it to happen again. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah. But I'm thankful for that time. And we were married in September of 2016. And three weeks later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So our wow. first year of marriage, instead of being like, we're having a honeymoon, I am married. I'm going to have like, you know, this is going to be a great year. Instead of that, it was a year of mastectomy chemo, radiation, um, you know, traveling to another city, to the cancer center, all of those things. And I was pretty mad. You know, yeah. I was, I was pretty angry at God. Like this is the worst timing. I, I remember saying that this is actually the worst timing. I can't believe that you would do this to me. I just got my husband back. Now we can have a marriage relationship <laughs> and all of those things. And I was pretty excited about that. And yet here I am with, you know, my boob cut off and all that. Mm. And, uh, but you know what I realized, and, and this is a gift that God let me realize this It was the best timing because it forced me to be vulnerable and to give it like, just, I just had to give up and I had to let my husband serve me. Mm. I had to let him take care of me, like literally take time off Mm -hmm. work to care for me. And I remember on one particular day during that year when I was having a little pity party all by myself, you know, and, and we're good um, at that, aren't we? We're so good. I'm so good at pity parties. I'm not a good, you know, entertainer, but I'm good at pity parties. And I said to him, like the poor guy, I said to him, you know, you didn't know when you came back that when you, we, you married me that I was, you know, going to have a mastectomy and you didn't know I was going to ha- lose all my hair and you didn't know, you know, I gained weight and all this stuff. And he said, this is what I knew. 
I knew I was going to marry you and we were going to live together for the rest of our lives. And I knew that we're older, right? And one of us someday is probably going to have to take care of the other one. And that's what I'm here for. Yeah. And you know what, Hannah, that was a gift to me. That was like, he's all in, he's in here. And and my kids, our kids got to see dad's here. Yeah. You know, it was, it was actually a gift and I'm, and I'm thankful for it, but we don't always get to see those things. We don't always, we very rarely get to see why things happen. So I, I think that's, that was a gift. Well, I mean, we live in a fallen world and there, there's just so many things around us going. I mean, there's just dumped dumpster fires to our left and to our right. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we, we know all good things come from God and all of the, the mm-hmm. fallen horrible things are of the enemy because we, yeah. we fell and we're living in a sinful, sinful world and, you know, cancer's in that, in that bubble. And, um, yeah. I just, I'm, I'm so thankful that you're on the other side of that and have that story and that, that testimony to share and to just mm-hmm. encourage women. And that's not always the story. That's not always the no. ending. Um, we know that, but, um, you know, God's faithfulness, um, mm-hmm. despite how it ends, I mean, one way or another, you're in his arms, whether it's sooner or later. Um, and, and he is faithful in that. So. Um, he wants, yeah. he wants good for us. And I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that. And, you know, when my husband was deployed, he deployed twice, mm-hmm. Iraq and Afghanistan. And I had lived and walked with the Lord from, you know, in my own heart, my own mind, I felt like I was very much walking with him, but it took that hardship and it took that mm-hmm. severing. I mean, we were like seven months into our marriage. We didn't even get to, you know, really fully experience marriage because he was off to training, off to, you know, all these other things. And I mean, it was kind of like, it felt like I'd been robbed a little bit. And what I learned was very similar to what you learned during that season is that I just, for the first time, um, while I hadn't been married before and all these other things, I was also the girl that just kind of always had a boyfriend. I always had that significant other by my side. And it was kind of like a security blanket. I I didn't know how to just be on my own. And Mm -hmm. for the first time ever, Cody deploys and I have to rely on the Lord. And it's just me and my dog, Indy, who we just lost a couple weeks ago. She's almost 15, like crazy, crazy. It was me, her and Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, I, that's when I really started to push into mentorship because I was living in Southern California, stripped of all my family, stripped of all of the friends, all the things I knew I had to leave an, an amazing job at an architecture firm and pretty much start over from scratch, supporting him and doing all of these things. But now I'm by myself. And it was in that moment where, you know, I'm kind of in a desert type mentality that I realized mm-hmm. how much, wow, like I need God. Like he's mm-hmm. just, he's not just my savior, even though that is enough in and of itself, but he is who I walk with every day. He's who I need to cling to every day. He's who I get my breath and my, my life uh, through this path. So mm-hmm. I totally, I can, I can really relate to the season you must have gone through in order to, you know, kind of wrap your head and your heart around that new, that new relationship with him. And it's, it's a wonderful, horrible, you know, it's a a horrible season to go through something like that, but it's, 
it's so wonderful on the other side because you're like, man, I got through that. I can do anything like with Christ, we can conquer all this stuff. And so it's just really awesome. So Titus, uh, uh, Titus two teaches us, uh, you know, yeah. older women likewise are to be relevant in their behavior, not malicious gossips or enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. And so that's yeah. what I believe you do. That's what I'm trying to do for those around me. And maybe, you know, that mm-hmm. have kids in diapers. I thankfully am out of that season. <laughs> However, I do have a bottle baby goat right now. So I'm just going to say I'm a little bit... <laughs> little bit in that season right now. Oh, that sounds awesome. A bottle baby coat. (laughs) So anyways, and thankfully, thankfully I have an amazing mama that I can call Mm -hmm. day or night and, and she will speak life into me and pray over me and listen. But I know a lot of people don't have that. And a lot of people are you know, just either their mom has passed or maybe their mom is not a believer, someone that they can truly cling to when the storm hits. And so I'm just, I'm thankful we have mentors around us that we can, we can rely on to speak life into us. So you, you have a 38 year old, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like millennial, old millennial age, but then also you've got a, a 20 year old and it is, is he, I mean, I don't even know what generation that is. Is that I it's, I, it's the entitled generation. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't know what you call it, so, but uh Yeah, so you've got everything in between, but with your age of kids who are now adults, you know, mm-hmm. what was your hardship with I mean, we look at culture now and we're going through lots, I mean it's it's bad. Mm-hmm. But what was like the thing that was super hard going through with your kids? Was it like sex, drugs and rock and roll? Like, I mean, what mm-hmm. what was the thing that you were like, oh, my goodness, if we can just get through this thing, get through this season, I'm sure it varied between those yeah. ages. But what were some of the highlights or lowlights that stood out? Mm-hmm. You? I think some things are always going to be the same. I think we're always going to have kids who are going to um, want their independence You know, so my oldest son wanted to move out when he was really young because he was just angry at me and at life decisions that I made, which weren't good. And so he was quite young when he left the house. But my and my next group of kids. So it's kind of like I have a 38 Mm. and then I have a 33 to 31 or something like that. Like those those Mm -hmm. kids like that was kind of a group of kids. Let's say it's like it sounds like a daycare or something. Like these <laughs> groups of kids, it's the all, yellow team, red team. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, with with those kids, some of them actually struggled with drugs, and we had a couple kids that were in rehab. One of them twice, and um, but some of my kids never did that. So you know, every every kid's different, and every like I don't even know if it matters what generation there's different there's different things we were very strict about things like cell phones which is almost which is almost more difficult to be strict about now oh, yeah. than it was back then yeah. um our kids our our rule for that that group of kids was they didn't get a phone till they were in grade 10 like so 15 16 Driving years age, old yeah but, yeah but there was there wasn't I don't even think there was um smartphones then so I don't know that there wasn't like the data it was just texting and and it was like it was a different world but it was still a distraction I don't know you you all just do the best thing that you can do at the time yeah 
Right. I don't think that anybody that we can say across the board, okay, we need to have these rules or we need to have these exact things. Every kid is different. Every situation is different. Um, I mean, it's all about their heart. Yeah. Like that's, that's the bottom line. It's all about their heart and preserving that relationship with them. Even when I joked about like my youngest son moving out and I was joking, but I was actually also serious by the way, cause I am really happy about it, <laughs> but I want to preserve that relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what my husband says. Like we want to have a lifelong relationship with you. If you live in our basement for a long time, we're not going to have that yeah. because like, we're going to kick you out. Like that's, that's all that's going to happen. And I really think that, that God does that with our kids. I think that he makes them be little jerks right before they move out so that we don't feel that bad about it because it's a natural thing. We're not supposed to have our kids living home right, until they're right. 40. Yeah. Right? They're it's supposed not, to leave it's mom not and dad right. and go on. They're supposed to, supposed to marry and move mm-hmm. on. Yeah. They're supposed to move yeah. on and, and have their own lives. And, but in our culture and partly because it's expensive and partly because of what other, whatever the other things are, um, it's normal. Like a lot of kids are still living in their parents' basement in their thirties. And, um, I didn't want that to be mine. I love being able to encourage other moms. Like some of my friends are having a harder time with it. Some of my friends are sad that their child is leaving for university or getting married or whatever, and they have an empty nest. And you know, so it's good to have people that have been through that, that can say like, you know, it's even better. Your relationship with your kids can be even better later on yeah. or, or whatever that stage is. We need to come along beside the people who are coming through it now and, and giving them hope. Yeah. Like I've been there and there's hope on the other side. You can make it. So I want to be that champion for women. And I think it's such an important thing. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. For a lot of us, it probably seems like so far so far away but I have a son turning 13 and I'm I'm always like every time he has a birthday I'm like oh only this many more years and once once they hit that like middle age at like nine you're like oh you're halfway through Ah, how did you get halfway through (laughs) okay so let's you brought up identity in Christ I would love to talk about that more I it's something I'm very passionate about clearly you are passionate about as well um why do you think Having an identity in Christ and not an identity in the world standards and all these other things. Why do you think Mm -hmm. that is such a hard concept for so many, even so many Christians? I feel like so many Mm -hmm. Christians miss this mark of truly understanding their identity and keep getting snagged up and pulled down. Mm -hmm. Um, Why do you think this is so hard? And what advice would you have for living this out in today's culture? I think that if we don't know who we are, we won't know how to live. I think that, I think that, and I think the enemy knows that. So, you know, he's right on the game of that. There's all the lies. There's all the lies being spoken into your mind about you're not good enough. You're not whatever. All those things that are lies, they're all lies. But unless we intentionally, intentionally look at the way we're thinking, intentionally look at what we're believing, Mm -hmm. then we, then we can't fight it. Mm -hmm. Right. The other thing is we need to know what's true. Yeah. And the only thing, let me tell you, sister, this is 2023. And the only thing that I know that I know that I know to be true is God's word. Yes. Yes. That is it. Mm -hmm. So we have to be in the word and we have to be in the word reading it. Like even every day reading it, just even a few minutes a day or put the, put the um, app on your phone and listen to it while you're driving or while you're walking or while you're standing folding laundry that's piled up on your couch 
put the word in your mind every day. And then you learn to recognize truth. Yes. And when you recognize truth, you will know what's a lie. Yes. Because it's not true. Yes. And then you can kick it out. But as soon as you recognize that in your mind, like, oh, like you might hear yourself saying like, oh, I'm so dumb. Okay. Not true. Mm-hmm. I'm not dumb. I am, you know, what does God say about me? Yeah. What does God say about me? And then re- replace that lie with truth immediately. Say it out loud. God says, I am adopted. I am right. All the things God says you are and keep that on replay in your mind over and over and over again. So you will know who you are and then you know how to act. Yeah. You know how to live. Yeah. That's so good. I do the same thing. I listen to it when I'm full. I like the exact thing you just said, folding laundry on my couch. I press, Mm -hmm. I put the Bible app on my phone and put it on uh, where it's reading it to me. And it's just, it's so edifying. It's, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the the Bible tells us that we are one with Christ. We are clothed with him. We are a child of God. We belong. Mm -hmm. We're an heir. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Like how many people... Mm -hmm lost their inheritance, uh, yeah. you know, lost all of these things from an earthly standpoint, but we have something mm-hmm. that is so much better. And, and it's yeah. not anything that we can do, but everything that has been done for us by his grace and on the cross. I feel like what I was kind of hearing you say too, is that it's because people, one, are in the word that they, mm-hmm. they're, they're missing out on who they are um, in Christ. And too, maybe, maybe they're not believing what God says in his word is true. Um, I, mm-hmm. I heard some crazy, crazy statistics that, I mean, I don't even remember the numbers, but it was so low. It blows your mind and it makes me sick to my stomach of the pastors in churches, leading churches that don't fully believe that mm-hmm. the word of God is absolute truth. And that it is just incredibly heartbreaking to know that you have a job to preach the gospel Mm -hmm. and the gospel in which you're pulling from the word of God, you don't believe entirely to be true. I mean, it's and you're leading people. Yeah, it's it's bang my head up against the wall a thousand times frustrating. Um, But that is the culture that we're living in. I think I think that's probably been the case for a while. Mm -hmm. I think there's been many. Mm-hmm. many years, many centuries that, you know, there's been the hypocrisy found in churches and where they're saying one thing and believing another thing or, or just not really fully believing it at all, but leading it and getting money for it and whatever. I mean, there's, there's mm-hmm. the corruption in church and that's why we've had so many people that have, you know, hated church and left. And my brother calls it the uh, post-traumatic uh, church disorder. Uh, basically, you know, you know what, what church has done. Um, But we have to get back to the heart. And part of that is this mentorship. Part of this is women teaching women, men teaching men. My husband has a a great group of men that are just raising each other up. And it's, it's incredible to see, Mm -hmm. you know, when men get together and be vulnerable with each other and are willing to learn from each other and guide each other and lead each other Mm -hmm. and women doing the same thing. And, um, leading our children up so that we can raise a generation that, that sees the Bible as the absolute truth, like you were saying, because that's, that is where our identity comes from. And I think so many of our problems can just one, just be rooted by whether we're, we're with God or not, but two, the way that we handle those circumstances, the way that we handle 
a, a cancer diagnosis, the way we handle a, a traumatic situation or a divorce or an accident or, you know, whatever those things are, are, we have to know our identity in Christ and we have to be speaking that into our children's lives as well so that we can be raising up this generation that is just after God yeah. and, and rooted in his truth and, and being guided by his word and guided by, um, you know, knowing that that's absolute truth. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, another quick story, and I've got another question for you, but uh, there is a, a friend of ours at church who teaches at our local high school. And he says that he has this conversation with kids over and over again about something having absolute truth. Kids in high school right now, so a few years younger than your son, don't believe the great majority of them do not believe in absolute truth. They Mm -hmm. don't believe that two plus two is four. They will argue that it's not. They don't believe that, you know, things like gender, uh, uh, gender issues that, you know, you don't have to be uh, what you're born, born into. Um, And so his comeback to them that he has, is just, it's so silly, easy. It's genius. So he says, okay, fine. If you don't believe absolute truth, all right, that's fine. Then go walk through the wall over there. (laughs) You know, and and they're like, no, 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 no. That's not what, that's not what we mean. That's not what we mean. And he's like, no, really go walk through the wall. If you don't believe there's absolute truth, because I believe there's absolute truth and you can't walk through that wall. And our culture is telling us we can just, you know, do whatever, make all these decisions, change our identity, change our sexuality, change all these things. And what a lie from the enemy that he is just running with these people's hearts and their minds and just corrupting our society. And we as mamas, as women, as maybe grandmothers, as uh, bold kids being raised up for Christ, we've got to stop it boldly in its tracks and say, no, this is the word of God. This is the absolute truth. Um, the war is for our kids, yes. right? The war is on our children. Yes. That's the next generation. And it's so important that our kids have good friends. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like that, we were very blessed that we had a good church with a good youth group, solid leadership, solid friends that helped a lot. That helped a ton, like a ton. Friends are so important to kids, especially high school age. Um, And I mean, I would like to tell them who their friends can be, but they they never listen to me that way. Um, I don't know why I'm so full of good ideas, (laughs) but, but, you know, but that is like you, that's really, really important. Yeah. But we can be an influence in that. Yeah. You know, we yes. can we can help steer that, especially when they're younger, we can help steer them away from negative influences. And society has, again, lied to us that we don't have the say that they need to. We just need to let them make their decision and we need to let them guide their own course and uh, let them be independent and make their own mistakes. And OK, certain certain things like sure, like which cereal do you mm-hmm. want today? Like, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let you let you decide. But there, yeah. you know, when there is foundational uh, major issues, mm-hmm. if there is a crack in the foundation of our home, we're going to repair it. So if there mm-hmm. is a crack in the foundation of our children's lives and their heart, we are mm-hmm. abusing them to not to not try and heal mm-hmm. that that crack that's there. 
Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, man. So kind of with this identity thing, what do you speak to mamas about comparison? insecurities in their own life. We live in a Pinterest perfect world. We live in Instagram mm-hmm. reels. I mean, just every, every lifestyle, every whatever just can look perfect all the time. Uh, you can just make everything look like you've got it all together. And mm-hmm. we learn over and over again with, you know, we see someone's life going through destruction. We go, oh my goodness, I thought everything was right. I thought everything was so perfect because Facebook and right. all their pictures and everyone was smiling. And I mean, what do you, what do you speak to, to young women that are, you know, just really struggling with that comparison and really like, oh, well, my husband doesn't post things like that about me or, or my, you know, what, whatever, put it, fill in the blank. Yeah. Well, And that's one of the reasons that I wrote the book. And one of the reasons why I speak to women um, is is because I want them to know the truth. The truth is we're all living our own freak show life. Your life does not look like mine. You don't have eight boys. You didn't adopt a special needs son. You, You know, whatever, all those things. But your life is also not perfect. And my life is not perfect. And if you're looking at that um, account on Instagram, you know, with the beautiful house and the pumpkin on the porch and the wreath <laughs> on the door, you think that woman has a perfect life. Like if you showed up unexpected, there's laundry on her couch, mm-hmm. right? Just like your house, just like my house, we are all living it. So we need to number one, be real with each other, mm-hmm. be real with your friends. Like this is real life. I'm not saying post all the pictures of your dishes on Facebook. I don't care about that. But it was easier years ago because we didn't have that facade of social media. Right. When I, when I talked to my friends, you know, back when I was a mom the first time, like in the eighties, like I called them up on the phone. I heard their kids screaming in the background or went to their house. I saw the dishes in the sink, you know, like we didn't have that whole um, fake world that everybody's living in. It's not true. So have good friends that you can be real with, that you can encourage and say, you know, I'm sorry that you're having a really bad day. I, I've been, I remember when I didn't get any sleep, but that's going to end. Your kids are someday going to sleep through the night. I can't tell you when that's going to be, but you know, there's, it goes by quickly, Mm -hmm. but there's still going to be a day that feels like a hundred years. Like, you know, I get it. Yeah. You know, but, but just to give each other hope. Yeah. No, that's so good. That's so good. All right. So tell us a little bit about your book. Yeah, it's called Listen, Sister, Finding Hope in the Freak Show of Life. And it's a collection of short, you know, funny stories that are even just a minute, a minute and a half long, because the only time you can read it is might be in the bathroom. That might be it. I get that. Or in the line at soccer or, you know, when you're watching your kid practice or all those things, you just in the waiting room at the hospital, you just need a minute. And um, the stories are funny and then they have truth at the end and encouragement. So everything from growing up on a farm to raising kids to having cancer to clothing malfunctions. I mean, <laughs> you know, the whole gamut. And um, and I think that it's encouraging to women. I hear that from them. So every age of woman, I mean, from young girls to uh, women in their 90s have told me that they felt encouraged by it. That's awesome. I love your writing style. It's so hilarious, so cheeky, but you have such a good uh, tug and pull of, 
you know, a little comedic flair that grabs your attention and pulls you in, but then you just drop the truth. And I, I just, I love, I love that balance. It's entertaining, but heart filling at the same time and life giving. And I just appreciate your heart and that and thankful that you were, that you were faithful to complete that. So I will make sure in the show notes and have all of the links um, so you can make sure and uh, all of our listeners can check out Tessa's stuff and uh, connect with her further. I always ask uh, my guests, what are two or three of your top values that you want to pass down or have passed down since you have you know, exited that season of having your kids under your roof? Um, but just two to three top values that you would speak to other women raising kids in this next generation. Top values for raising kids. I think family, for sure. Well, first, faith. I mean, that's a Sunday school answer, so I have to say that sure. first. <laughs> Obviously, Jesus first. Um, and that's, and I'm very thankful. Like one of my stepsons just accepted the Lord like a couple months oh, ago. That's wonderful. And years of praying, you know, and sometimes like kids can grow up in the church and love Jesus and walk away for a while and come back. Wow. And, you know, um, it doesn't mean that we didn't do everything that we could. Yeah. You know, um, so there's no beating each other up or beating ourselves up over that. I'm so, so thankful to the Lord for that. Um, so yeah, obviously faith first, family second. I loved spending time together. And I still do. We have we have obviously this big, huge blended family. So including daughter-in-laws and grandchildren, there's 25 of us when we get together. Oh, wow. We can't fit everybody in my little house. Like it just can't happen. So we get together at Christmas at one of my sons on a farm in a big drive shed that's heated because we're in Canada. And we um, get together once in the summer, last weekend at our house in the backyard, we have a minute to win it championship. <laughs> so there's two teams, there's a trophy, there's 15 games. Oh, I in love the it. There's a lot of chirping. It's uh, it's an intense time. <laughs> but um, just spending that time together as family is, we, we played a lot of board games and a lot of games as, as a family growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, yeah, just making each other spending time with each other important because we all have busy lives. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily mean like this 25 of us getting together only happens a couple of times a year, but the rest of every, you know, everybody together um, happens often. So it's really important and being there for each other through, yeah. you know, thick and thin like family does. That's awesome. I think that's such a, a good point to bring up, especially with parents in today's age where so many of us are staring at a phone or a screen all day long. And we mm-hmm. have to, I mean, I, I just, I preach this constantly, but just mm-hmm. the intentionality of unplugging and getting away. We go camping, we go out to the animals, mm-hmm. we do, you know, walk around the, we've got a, a small little mountain property, but you can still just walk. Mm-hmm. Um, we go out to our, our actual tree house um, and play with the kids, but it's just that intentional time whether that's going to the park or going on a walk or playing games. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we love games too. Um, the kids just eat that quality time up yeah. because it's something in our culture that we are missing. We're missing that face-to-face time. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a beautiful thing when we can drop what we're doing and focus mm-hmm. and look at each other in the eyes and you know, make a memory together and make that relational, personal, yeah. in-person connection. 
no screen, no texting is really truly going to give us in return. Um, and so it's just, it's just such a, such a vital piece of our lives. I want to encourage every parent listening to make sure that they are intentionally doing that with their kids on a daily basis. We have such little time in the big scheme of things with our kids in our home. I'm sure talk to you for hours and pick your brain about so many things. I want to encourage people to check out your book. It's definitely brought me joy and I know it will bring everybody else joy as well. And just thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate the time. Thanks for the opportunity. Wait, before you go, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and follow us on Facebook or Instagram at the Treehouse Storyteller so we can stay connected. Head on over to thetreehousestoryteller.com for more products, artwork, photography, and encouragement. See you next time.